here to begin with here tonight, and I want to consider some thoughts on the book of 1 Peter, but I want us to realize that John's writings are writings that certainly should be considered. Again, the Word of God was written by men, I say penned by men, uh, certainly again inspired by God for what they should wrote, uh, what they did wrote, and what again uh, was was and is found in the Scripture. But uh, I want to start here in John chapter 21 and and, uh, consider here tonight uh, some thoughts on 1 Peter. But before we do, I just want to consider a little background on Peter to begin with here tonight. John chapter 21, verse number 15, the Bible says, So when he had died, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. And he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, and thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. I want to consider here some thoughts here tonight on the book of Peter, but uh, we see an introduction to Peter here in this text as someone who was to feed sheep or feed lambs. But again, let's pray as we consider the Word of God here tonight. Father, thank you again for this time we can uh, study uh, into the the writings, if you would, of Peter. Father, we've we've considered writings of Paul. We've considered the writings sometimes and. And, and Bible studies of the gospel and the book of Luke and Acts and other places. But again, as we consider here tonight some thoughts uh, on the writings of Peter's, Father, help us again to take in what we can hear and what we can receive here tonight. Help again the word of God to be a blessing, help to the hearer. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You know, I've never been in a series on the book of First or Second Peter. I've never been in the studies on James. We, we, we normally don't go to those books and, and have preaching that's offered to us from these books, it seems like. Generally speaking, I'm not saying there isn't churches where people have preached the book of Peter and Second Peter and James, etc. But a lot of times these books seem like they're somewhat avoided. And, and someone says why they're avoided, I, I don't know why. Uh, maybe uh, Paul wrote so many letters. A lot of times we'll go to his writings like Romans and Corinthians or Ephesians or Colossians or whatever it might be, or we go to the Gospels and preach to them, or preach to the Old Testament, made through the Kings or Chronicles or whatever it might be, or may pick out smaller books of the Bible and preach to them. I don't know. But uh, again, as I think here tonight uh, of Peter's writings and, and what he was to do in ministry, he was to be a teacher. He was to be someone who, who taught the word and he would uh, teach the lamb and teach the sheep. He would teach Christians. And so, again, I, I feel like it's time to, to look at the books of First and, and Posse right after that, Second Peter. Uh, these are, again, books in the Bible that I've, I've read through before. I'm sure maybe most of you have read through before. But uh, let's turn over to First Peter chapter 1. And uh, we're going to consider some thoughts here on First Peter here tonight. An unusual book in the Bible in many ways because it centers around uh, Christians maybe that aren't average Christians. By that I mean this is written to some persecuted Christians. Again, are, are you persecuted as a Christian? You say, 
No, not really, or maybe some, or whatever it might be. But again, as we consider here tonight, First Peter, maybe why it's written, I mean, not preached too many times, is because it deals with, again, uh, uh, adversity, it deals with difficulty, it deals with suffering, uh, it deals with meteor subjects, just like Second Peter deals with uh, maturity and also apostasy. And the book of James deals with perfection and, and those sorts of things. And some, sometimes I think these books are, are maybe uh, skipped over or passed over a lot, to a large degree, maybe because they, they're meaty or they're, uh, they, they include doctrine that's maybe not so easily to digest or be to take it in. But uh, as we consider here tonight, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 13, I want you to consider the book of 1 Peter as a guideline to living in a hostile culture. A guideline to living in a hostile culture. This is exactly what was happening during the writing of this book. It begins there in verse number one, talking about those to whom it's written to. It says here, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace be unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith, which uh, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptation. Just want to stop there. The context of this book is a group of people, a group of Christians dealing with trials when it comes to. The Christian faith. They are scattered abroad because of persecution that's taken place in their life. And they're in places, the Bible mentions Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And that's because they fouled the Christian faith. And they're in trial of affliction. It says in verse 7, and the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory that appeareth uh, appearing of Jesus Christ, who, has, who having not seen your love, and whom though now you ha, uh, see him not, ye, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what and what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels decided to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is 
to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're consider here tonight this book of 1 Peter as a book that deals with, again, a hostile culture. And again, we find, again, some thoughts on both comfort and suffering in this book. And so let's consider some thoughts from this book here tonight, but let's pray together before we dive into the book. Father, thank you again for your word here tonight. Thank you again for this opportunity we have, again, to have a book in the Bible that uh, would tell us how we could live in a place where we are opposed as believers. I mean severely opposed as believers and even suffering as believers as we see in this text. Again, help us by your grace again to, to learn some things that help us if, if our culture should certainly turn against us and we would find persecution before us or displacement coming to us. Again, bless this time again as we meet here tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. Now, as we study this book of the Bible, I want to consider an overview here tonight in the outline of 1 Peter. But consider this book as a guideline to how to live in hostile Christian culture. And again, as we consider this book here tonight, I want us to first of all consider who it was written to. And it's mentioned here in verse number one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Who is it that this book is written to? Strangers. Who are these strangers? Well, chapter 2, again, helps us understand who these, uh, these strangers are. It mentions in chapter 2, these strangers, again, it says uh, in verse number 11 of chapter 2, Dearly Beloved, these are people that are loved of God. These are people that are saved by grace. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from freshly lusts which war against the soul. It mentions in verse number 12, it identifies who these strangers are even further. It mentions them as being pilgrims. And so, again, it's talking about Christians here. And it says in verse 12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good works, which they shall behold, glorifying God in the day of visitation. So who are these strangers? They're Jewish believers. They're Jewish believers that have been scattered via persecution. Exactly what persecution? I don't know for sure. But most people agree it was under Nero that this took place. And uh, Nero, again, persecuted Christians, according to history. And again, I don't know how accurate history is on this. But again, he, uh, he, uh, he uh, persecuted Christians throughout the Roman Empire after he believed, again, Christians had caused some issues in his kingdom. And so he turned and persecuted them. And uh, again, this led to, again, people being scattered abroad. And again, as you think about people in verse number one, strangers are scattered. This means that they have left home. They've left jobs. They don't have... Uh, they, they're not living where they used to live. They're, they're now living in Gentile, largely territories, places where people, again, live different and certainly, again, have different religion than they do. And so you find in the Bible here some believers that, again, were persecuted, uh, persecuted the place where they, they left home, they left family, left job, they left livelihood. And they may have left, again, loved ones behind that died during this persecution. Uh, we're not living, again, at least not here in America, we're not living in, in a place of persecution where you could be 
persecuted by the government or persecuted by the state in a sense like these individuals were. But yet it's a good book that deals with both suffering and grace. Again, the author of the book, we see again the book was written again to these strangers. These strangers are identified as Jewish Christians who have been scattered abroad to different areas throughout, again, the world at that time. They're in different places, and he's writing to them on how to live in a Christian culture as a true believer. We see, first of all, to whom it is written. As an overview, we see, again, it's to Jewish believers. It's secondly, again, written by an apostle. And I can see exactly who this is in the text there in verse number one. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers. It's written by an apostle. It's written by an apostle who was also a pastor, an elder. We see later in the book there. In fact, if you turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And so it's written by an apostle. It's written by an elder. If you turn to the next epistle, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 1, it's written by a servant. And again, as we think about a servant, often we think, oh, that's someone paid by someone or whatever it might be, or an indentured servant. Someone, again, is repaying a debt or whatever it might be. It's a slave. Uh, this is a bond slave of Jesus Christ. It says, and Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them who have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, again, First and Second Peter, uh, again, identify uh, who this author, it is Simon Peter. It's uh, Simon Peter who, who was to feed the lambs. It's a Simon Peter who was an apostle of Jesus Christ. It was Simon Peter who was probably the most outspoken of the disciples of Jesus Christ. He was certainly a leader of the first church of Jesus Christ. And so it identifies him as an apostle. And again, apostle is simply someone who has been sent to do gospel ministry. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. Again, you want to identify your doctrine directly from the Word of God. And again, when it comes to an apostle, I just want to mention a couple of things here about an apostle, maybe actually three things about an apostle. First of all, an apostle is someone who's been sent by the Lord to do his work, his gospel work ministry. Uh, Matthew chapter 10 here, and uh, verse number 1 and verse number 2, the Bible says, And when they had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. It mentions a verse number twelve disciples and then it mentions twelve apostles. And again you say what do the apostles do? It says in verse number five it says these twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying go the way of Gentiles. These were sent to preach. In verse 7, it says, and as you go preach, heal. Verse number 8, apostles were special people sent both to preach and to heal. They were able to do things that not every Christian can do. The apostles were given the responsibility to take the gospel out, just as Jesus sent the gospel out. And so they were, in a sense, we would call them maybe today, in a sense, evangelists or missionaries. 
And so they were sent. And so as you think of, of, uh, of Peter, think of him not only as, a, as a, an elder, as a pastor, but also an apostle, someone who was sent to do gospel ministry. So he was a missionary of sort. We might call him that today. And uh, as you think about these apostles, let me say this. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. These, these apostles, and, and there was only, a, I mean, I, I should say, I can't say really a handful, but there wasn't that many apostles in the Bible. In fact, I think you could make a list of the apostles in the Bible, and uh, it would be a, quite a short list. Uh, the name Peter is amongst the apostles. All the 12, again, mentioned there are amongst the apostles. They're mentioned, again, in the Bible, other apostles, including uh, Paul there as being an apostle. But notice here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 12, what made an apostle special? Uh, apostles were different than just regular evangelists or people that got saved by grace. And, and again, the Bible mentions of the apostles here. In verse number 12, it says, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So the Corinthians, it, it talks about the signs of the apostles were wrought amongst you or were worked amongst you. In other words, they were there to see miracles done by the apostles, healings done by the apostles. And, and on and on it goes with that kind of thoughts. And, but again, when it comes to apostles, these apostles uh, were able to do miracles. And you'll see that if you read in the book of Acts that you see Peter at, uh, again, say something to a guy, and a guy stands up. Because Peter was an apostle. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 8. And Peter was a special apostle sent to a specific group of people or nationality. It says in verse number 8, it says, For ye wrought effectually into Peter the apostleship of the circumcision. So Peter, what's his apostleship direct towards the Jews? And then it says, and the same was mighty in me towards the Gentiles. And so Paul was able to do things amongst the Gentiles. And uh, so again, we see him as an apostle. We see him as an elder. If you turn back to 1 Peter chapter 5, as an elder, he wasn't a pope. He never became a pope. He never took the office of a pope. You say, what's a pope? Well, you have to check out the Catholic system and you'll see that a pope is supposedly a leader that's, among, that's over all the bishops or the leaders in the local church level. You don't see anything like that in Peter's ministry or in his writings. In fact, his writings would go against that kind of mentality. Let's read in 1 Peter chapter 5 a little bit about what uh, Peter taught as far as eldership or pastorship or bishopship, these are all three and the same. Um, it mentions here, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 1, The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder. So he's writing to these pastors that are amongst those that are scattered abroad. And he, he talks about him being an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed he says, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willing, not a filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. 
And so he mentions here in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, and again, the writer is an apostle, he's an elder and a leader there. He mentions his, his pastoral responsibility. It mentions he, he is to be in a place of being an, el- an elder and an example in the flock. But he mentions there's a chief shepherd, and that certainly is the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, you say, was, was Peter an, a pastor? Was he a, a pastor leader? Was he an elder? Well, let's turn to Acts chapter 2 there. Acts chapter 2. Uh, you'll actually see in the life of Peter, and again, this is you'd have to study again through the first uh, basically 10 chapters of the book of Acts. You'll see that Peter was indeed a leader in the first church. And again, as, as uh, Jesus passed on in ministry, he left the ministry and passed it over to 12. And uh, someone says, how do you know that? Well, look at uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 14. It says, And Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known to you and hearken to my words. And he goes on and preaches there. Peter with eleven. There were eleven plus Peter that led the church of Jerusalem after the Lord uh, went on to heaven. Turn to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Again, these are just some thoughts on Peter. And again, this is just looking at the author a little bit. I think it's good for us to consider who wrote the book and also some of the experiences that he went through. He went through suffering. And Acts chapter 4, he was persecuted. He was beaten for the faith. And uh, certainly we could look at that here tonight. But look at Acts chapter 6 and verse number uh, 2. It says here, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Just want to say, verse number two, there were 12 preachers, 12 pastor leaders of the church of Jerusalem. Now, maybe someone doesn't like to see that, or maybe that's maybe a little bit confusing to someone, but there was a leader, a main leader, and there were many other leaders that led the church at Jerusalem. James was a leader there. Peter was a leader there. We certainly can find that by searching the scriptures and other places in the book of Acts. And uh, certainly in the book of Galatians there. But uh, let's turn to Galatians chapter 1. As, an, as, a, as a leader, as a preacher, as an apostle, as a missionary, as a friend to the sheep, this letter was penned to be a help to Christians who had been separated from where they were before. Galatians chapter 1 and uh, verse number 18 it says, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. And so Paul went to see Peter at Jerusalem. Again, this is, again, I'm not trying to put a, a big timeline here. It says in verse number 19, But the other of the apostles saw I none save James, the Lord's brother. And so when Paul went to Jerusalem at this time, the book of Galatians, he, he, he was able to see it mentions there Peter and James, but he didn't see the other apostles there. But there was multiple leaders there of the church at, at Jerusalem, and amongst them was Peter. Let's turn back to First uh, Peter, and I want to consider uh, why the book, or what is the purpose of the book. The purpose of the book is to encourage, possibly discourage, suffering believers who are suffering for their faith in this world. It is to encourage 
Again, those who are discouraged in the place of suffering. The Bible says in verse number 6, Wherein ye rejoice now for a season, and if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Now, heaviness, I, I think, deals with discouragement. They're in heaviness because they have so many different temptations, trials they're dealing with, and things that they're having issues with. But he mentions there in verse number 7, he says that the trial of three be more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom he having not seen, ye love, and whom now though ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And uh, so what is Peter's desire for these believers to do in this place of suffering? It is for them to rejoice in suffering. It's for them to rejoice in suffering. And again, if you went over to the book of Acts, you, you would see in the book of Acts that Peter and the apostles counted joy to suffer for Jesus Christ and for the faith that they now believed in. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, or look at verse number 18. These were suffering believers. In verse number 18, it says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not to the good and the gentle, but to the forward. This, for this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. I just want to just like maybe refresh your mind. When it says in verse number 18 servants there. It means these guys are in slavery. And some are suffering wrongfully in slavery. You know, we, we hear about American slaves and all those kind of things, and we think about, oh yeah, they suffered wrongfully. You know, Christians were slaves sometimes, and they suffered wrongfully. These individuals were suffering wrongfully. What were they to do in this, in this suffering wrongfully? It says in verse number 19, For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience say toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Verse 20, For what glory is this, if you be buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently. But if you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable to God. It goes on, it says, Or even hereunto where you called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. And so he mentions that these individuals are suffering wrongfully. And uh, it mentions there in verse number 20 that, uh, they, it, you know, if you're buffeted or if you're hurt or you're chastised for doing things wrong, uh, it's good to su suffer patiently. And uh, that's a good thing. And then it mentions there in verse number 20, but if you suffer, uh, again, when you do well, in other words, when you don't do anything wrong, you take it patiently, this is acceptable for God because this is how Christ suffered. He suffered wrongfully. He never suffered for what he deserved. He suffered wrongfully. And so these individuals were suffering wrongfully and he, he encourages them, take it patiently. And he tells them in the next chapter, don't be terrified and don't be troubled in your suffering. And again, you see in chapter four, let's turn over there, chapter four, verse number 12 uh, he mentions there in verse number 12, Peter writes, he says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Verse 14, if you reproach for the name 
of Christ. Happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. They speak evil of Christ. The, the, the society that they were involved with speak evil of Christ, but these glorified Christ. Verse 15, but let none suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, or a busybody, and others man's business. But if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. And then verse number 19, wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit their keeping of their souls to him when well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Again, this book is about suffering. It's about Christian suffering. There certainly wouldn't be a book of the Bible that you'd see Joel Osteen preach from, would you? I don't think so. Because it deals with true Christian suffering, why Christian suffers and how to endure suffering. And so this is the main purpose for Peter to write this book is to help these Christians, these sheep, these lambs to endure suffering. So again, you'd think, what's this book about? It's about how to encourage people through suffering, how Christians should go through suffering, how it's best to uh, go through this place of suffering. But you also see as another theme in this book is that of grace. In verse number two, it says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience, uh, and sprinkling the blood of Jesus, grace be unto you, and peace be multiplied. And so it speaks of grace. In verse number 10, you speaks of grace there. It says, to prophesy the grace that should come. Again, it deals a lot with the subject of grace. Verse number 12, unto you, uh, it was revealed, not unto themselves, that administer the things which are now reported among you, uh, by them that you have preached the gospel unto the Holy Ghost, uh, uh, things that they desire to see. And it goes on from there, chapter 2, verse number uh, 19, and at verse number 20, talk about the need for exercising grace. Chapter 3, verse number 7, deals again with this subject of grace. Uh, again, it mentions there to be heirs together, the grace of life. Again, the family, again, a family unit to be heirs together, the grace of life. Chapter 5, again, deals with the subject of grace. Chapter 4 deals with the subject of grace. And so you see grace throughout this book also. And someone says, how do you endure suffering? It takes a lot of grace. It takes a lot of grace. And so there's, again, an overview of this book. It deals with suffering. It deals with grace. I want to just mention briefly and outline the book. Again, chapter 1 deals with hope. Hope. Hope for the believer despite suffering. It deals secondly with holiness. Again, in the middle part of the book, chapters 2, 3, and 4 deal with holiness. And then finally, it deals with the subject of humility. You turn over to chapter 5, verse number 5. The Bible says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourself to the elder. Ye all be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud giveth grace to the humble. Again, it deals with hope. It deals with holiness. It deals with humility. And we'll be talking about these things as we go through this book. Again, I just want to mention a couple of things about these things quickly. First of all, the subject of hope. Let's look at chapter 1, just briefly here, at verse number 
um, verse number five and, and, and verse number four and verse number five. It mentions there in verse number three, it mentions a lively hope. And then verse number four, given an inheritance, the incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God. Oh, excuse me. Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. And so it mentions an inheritance. And so you say, what, what, what can Christians hold to when it comes to suffering? They can hold to a lasting hope, an inheritance of heaven that they will never see go away. They have a sure hope. They have a solid hope. They have an enduring hope. And again, that's again the subject of chapter 1. Again, the, 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 this Bible again deals with the subject, secondly, of holiness. In uh, chapter 2, verse number 1, it says, Wherefore, lay aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisies, envies, and all evil speakings. Now, you kind of look at that and you say, wow, that's kind of talking about some pretty rough things. And they're saying, he's writing to these believers that are persecuted. He's writing to these believers who are suffering. And he tells them to lay aside malice. In other words, don't hate maybe those who are hurting you. And he mentions their guile. Don't be saying things maybe that you shouldn't be saying. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be living one way around them and, and being a different way around others. And, and envies. In other words, maybe don't want to be in a place where you say, I wish I was the master. I wasn't the servant here. Evil speakings. And they're to put all these things aside. And they are to practice Holiness. Verse 11, it says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshy lust that war against the soul. Again, there's a number of verses in this, again, this, this chapter, chapter 2, that deal with the subject of holiness. But what is holiness? It's being separated to God and separated from the world. And again, if you would have met a Christian there in one of these locations, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, they would have been different than those around them. And they should have been different than those, those around them. And he was calling them to be holy and different from those around them. And again, there's a need for holiness in the Christian's life. Let's read chapter 4, verse number 2 through verse number 4, that deals with this subject of holiness. Again, this being separated from the world and separated to God. In verse number 2, it says that you no longer should live the rest of his time in the lust, the flesh of the flesh, the lust of less, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to rot the will of Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them in the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Now, I said this book was written primarily to the Jews, which I believe it was, but there must have been some Gentiles among them. Again, as you see this in chapter 4, mentioning again, they think it's strange that you were in this, this uh, walking in lasciviousness and idolatry and all these kind of things. And so, again, it appears, again, this may well be written more to a wider audience, but Christians that were scattered at the persecution of Nero. But it also deals with the subject of humility Again, 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 5, again, deals with the subject of humility. 
And it simply says there, verse number five, likewise, ye younger, be subject yourself to the elder. Yea, all you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And so we see an overview of this book. Again, I don't want to, again, uh, lengthen the message or or make the message message any longer than it should be. But let's turn to uh, one last verse here before we end here tonight. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 7, it says, That your trial of your faith be much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The purpose, again, of this writing was to, again, encourage these Christians to, to continue in the Christian faith until they met the Lord, their Lord, Jesus Christ. It's a book of hope. It's a book of holiness. It's a book of humility.